It's the Face of Chicago Business Podcast, introducing you to the stories behind the faces, focused on fixing today's problems with thoughtful leadership and purposeful living. Sit down with us as we get to know the individuals who make our city second to none. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce, and this is the Face of Chicago Business Podcast. Today, I'm joined by my friend and CEO of Engaging Speakers, Jen Koffel. Jen, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to finally get to share your story after months and months of being locked up. Yes, and I'm excited <laughs> to be here and see your beautiful studio. It's wow. gorgeous. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so you are like really a hometown girl from Chicago, born and raised here, uh, went to school here. Yep. Kind of uh, tell me a little bit about that. You know, where'd you grow up? Where were you born, raised? I was born real close to Loretta Hospital here in Chicago. Yeah. And then I grew up in Orland Park and then... Went to college at University of Illinois at Chicago. Became an occupational therapist. That's what my degree was in. Okay. And really loved helping people. That's yeah. what drew me to that profession. But I definitely have a very strong entrepreneurial spirit. My dad <laughs> had a limousine business, and I watched him for like 37 years build an amazing business. Wow. And Were you born into it? No, he actually was a CTA bus mechanic when uh, he, when I was growing up. He was in Vietnam. Then he came back, started working for the CTA, got to retire early. And I watched him start a business. And I just supported him. He'd get home at 3 in the morning, and I'd have dinner for him. <laughs> we, I didn't make much. Uh, we had two meals. We made steak and swordfish. <laughs> and uh, I would make him dinner in the middle of the night, and he just appreciated that. And I just watched him work hard, and he, he did just an amazing job. And... He passed away early, but he was just an incredible father, and he taught me a lot about business. He taught me a lot about, actually a lot about money. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's awesome. And he, he did, definitely wanted me to go to college, so I, I did do that and got that degree, but in that degree, you know, occupational therapists can tend to be a jack-of-all-trades, mm-hmm. you know, because there's so many, you can work with newborns to elderly, um, and I really wanted to be a master at something, so as I explored all of the different types of work you could do with occupational therapy. I ended up falling in love with teaching people with disabilities how to drive. One of my core values is freedom. Yeah. And I love to give people freedom. And I just, I love freedom. And so the idea of helping people get their keys to freedom, you know, driving again, if they've had a stroke or had an amputation, I'd teach them how to use hand controls or left foot accelerators or, you know, steering devices. And it was a really fun business to be in. And I really enjoyed it a lot, but I really wanted to be a mom, so I tried six years to have kids, and once I finally did have them, I ended up selling the practice, and I was very blessed to be able to sell it and wow. find somebody that would have the, the expertise because it's a very niche market. There was only 11 of us in the state of Illinois that had that certification to do that work. So Wow. So what, like, at what point in your life did you know, was it high school that you, wanted to know, that you, that you knew you wanted to do this? That I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Or no, an occupational or, therapist. No. No. Actually, I had no idea. I thought I wanted to do psychology. Like, I just okay. love helping people. I, that was definitely my heart. But and was, so, so, and not to cut you off, but yeah. the entrepreneurial part, was that also kind of part of it? No matter what you did, you knew on some level you were going to do it for yourself or not necessarily? Not quite then okay. yet. I didn't really realize how strong my dad's example was mm-hmm. rubbing off on me or that I had a core value of freedom. I hadn't really figured that out quite yet. Sure. But I really love to help people. So psychology was what I was thinking. I actually started off at Governor State University okay, yeah. and started the psychology program. And the first week into the classes, I definitely discovered I, 
I don't, <laughs> I don't like this. And I felt bad because my dad had paid for the first semester. And I was like, I'm so sorry, but I really don't like this. And then we, I ended up just going to a junior college to try to figure it out. You know, so I went to some, did some general education requirements and took a really awesome test, which I've been looking for to give to my teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it was like an interest test. And so they okay. interviewed all these people that love their jobs and love their careers. And they compiled all their information, their answers. And then you took the test and they matched you with people that loved their career. That sounds cool. And so occupational therapy came up and I'd never heard of it before. And so I looked into it and decided, yeah, that does sound good. And it was a lot of psychology, actually, in <laughs> occupational therapy. So I, I went on and got that degree and actually really did enjoy yeah. that work. Mm-hmm. Now, did you have brothers and sisters growing up? So my mom remarried. My parents divorced when I was young. My okay. mom remarried, and she had a, a boy, and I okay. have a, a, a brother who now yeah. lives in Germany. He's a lieutenant car- colonel in the Army. Wow, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Well, thank yeah. him for his yes. service for us, please. He's awesome. Uh, always have a special place in our hearts for veterans, obviously. Yes. Um, so now you're growing up. You decided you want to do this. You all, At some point, you moved out to Arizona, right? Right. So I went to Washington for a couple of years, and did home health and drove all over a beautiful state of Washington and enjoyed helping people in their homes with therapy. And w- then what drew you to Washington? Um, actually my husband was wanted to become an occupational therapist also. Oh, no so way. he got into a program out in Washington, Tacoma, Washington. Uh-huh. And so I moved there and loved my independence. That was one thing I recognized. That's why I went into home health. It's I loved being able to be free and sure. drive and do therapy and control my own schedule. So mm-hmm. that was like the spark of the entrepreneur in me that I wanted that time freedom. When when did freedom become such a, an important value for you? Like, uh, you know, was it ever taken away? Like, why why do you value it so much that, that mm. you know, that's kind of what you led with? Yeah, that's a really personal answer because <laughs> growing up, there was a lot of um, my mom remarried and my stepfather was very strong disciplinarian, mm. and there wasn't a lot of freedoms, and I think in that lack of freedoms birthed a great desire for freedom and that kind of carried over into my you know teenage years and then to my adult life and then my work life I started to value more and more freedom yeah no I mean you don't know what you want sometimes until it's taken away right that's for sure (laughs) and so as you found yourself out there you know what what was the transition like being from Chicago and having kind of your identity rooted in that um, yeah, like yeah. moving to another, yeah. I was young. I, I got married, um, when I was 22, okay. so I was really yeah. young. And so we moved there. I was probably like 25 or oh, okay. so. So I was, yeah. I was per- fairly young. Yeah. So it was, it was quite a challenge to live in a state where I didn't know anybody, you know? And then I was in a choosing work that was freedom based, but again, it was very isolated. You know, I would be driving around and just go visit people, mm-hmm. see four or five people a day, you know, sure. and drive half hour in between. Cause it was quite a big rural area that I was working. seems beautiful. Though. I've never oh been. my gosh. It was the most gorgeous state. We moved there in the summer and it's gorgeous in the yeah. summer, lush and green. So, so green it looks but like. But then in September it starts raining and it keeps raining until yeah. May. <laughs> so oh, is that what it is? It does. Oh, it's no not way. like Chicago rain. It's like misting all the time. So you literally live in a raincoat. It's like always gloomy is what I've heard. It's always gray and it's misting, yeah. misting rain. Interesting. All the time. Yeah. So you live in a raincoat and it's kind of dreary and it does, you know, affect your, if you're somebody sensitive, which I was sensitive to that, yeah. like not having sun. So it did get affect, it did affect me. I remember one time I was 
I keep forgetting things and I, and I, I think something's wrong with me. Like, why do I keep forgetting something? I was in the medical field. So I'm like, do I have a brain tumor? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was just, I think a mild depression yeah. because I would lack of vitamin D or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. From just not getting sun. Yeah. Yeah. It no. was, it's really a real thing. What are some of the things that maybe you learned about yourself or, you know, different habits that you could apply during those times that, mm-hmm. you know, just how important family is, yeah. you know, how important connections are. Also just being real honest about, you know, how you're feeling and being able to have some people to talk to, trusted people to share and people that are in your life that speak words of life and encouragement to you. Yeah. And yeah. No. I think that was for me a big source of strength and help was just the people in my life. And I'm sure it's tougher, you know, at the time too, because we didn't have FaceTime yeah, and yes. everything, you know what right. I mean? It's so limiting as to how you can connect with individuals yes. or even just to know that there are people out there who maybe you know want to help or right. want to build a community with you but i you know it's so funny i was remembering the other day about sitting in a, i was at giordano's with a friend and she was introducing me to texting <laughs> it was like 10 <laughs> years ago i think and she was showing me texting and i was like wow <laughs> that's interesting and so now i think back to just what you said i mean you're right we didn't have we were on the phone you yeah. know there was no texting no facetime that's it was it. just talking on the phone but we had long distance bills Yes, we did. We totally did. <laughs> right. Um, so, so you're in in Washington mm-hmm. for uh, two years. Your, yeah. So mm-hmm. for school. Now, after that, you is that when you moved to Arizona? Yeah. So okay. he had an internship in Arizona. So I oh, worked for gotcha. a rehab hospital there, and that was completely different climate. It was we moved there in the summer as well, and it was <laughs> the hottest <laughs> the hottest time of year to move there. It is so, so hot there. It was really hot, and I didn't enjoy that very much. Yeah. Um, I mean, I love being hot, but the place where we lived and mm. the job I had wasn't freedom-based. It was inside a hospital, and gotcha. I just didn't enjoy it very much. So we had a hard time finding a church that we loved there, and so sure. I was glad to move and come back home. Yeah. <laughs> so, so then we came back home. And, and was the idea always to come back home? Yes. Good. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Glad. glad you made that choice. Yes, me too. And at that point, when you moved back, still no kids, right? Right. We, okay. we were, um, we, you know, we wanted to go the route of, you know, let's finish school, let's get our house. And then we moved back to Illinois, we got a house and then we started trying and it took s- six years. Oh, it's wow. So it took some time. Really like every month trying, you know, we tried for a year, of course, that's what they require you to do before you start any kind of treatments. Mm-hmm. But then it was six years of treatments and wow. it was, it was a really, for anybody that struggles with that, it's quite a big challenge to Emotionally, emotionally more, more than even anything spiritually, else. you know, questioning yeah. why, why, you know, just there was a lot of layers of that for me personally that, and I was in my late twenties to, you know, mid thirties when all that was going on. So it was a time in life when all my friends were having children, yeah. and, you know, it was, I tried, you know, to stay in a positive frame of mind, but it, it got, got hard at different times for sure. What, what would you tell people or women who are going through, um, something similar, right? But yeah kind of that barrage of Facebook where you're connected and yeah. you know, it seems like everybody. every everybody like when when you're trying yes right it seems like everyone's doing what you want to be doing right yes so yeah I think it, for me I mean I guess my best recommendation about that it, it's gonna go spiritual just because that's really where my hope and my you know my strength has come from and so I would pray a lot and there was a verse that was on my kitchen counter that I looked at every day it was Ephesians 320 okay and it says that he will do immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine and according to the power of the work that's within you and with him you know and and I I would always just say over and over again that I believed that you know that that he could and would do immeasurably more than I could ever ask or imagine and I would 
well, I got to the point where I was believing that. I started off with just asking for that because <laughs> you didn't I believe as much. But it's like a promise, you know. Yeah. And and I just kept asking him for that, and so it happened. I actually had. It was a Monday night, and I got a call from a lady from our church that I didn't know. She was in her 50s. I mean, I knew her name. She was a receptionist, but I never had a conversation with her. And my dad was over. We were playing games, just hanging out one night on a Monday night. And she told me that she noticed I had been on the prayer list for many years to have children and had a kind of a question that was going to be unexpected for me to hear, but a baby was born and there was a plan for the baby to be adopted, but the birth mom didn't want to go through with that plan because the baby was going to be moving out of state. And so she said, I've been taking care of the baby. And of course that's difficult. She's in her fifties getting up every few hours and she had her for about, I don't know, four or five days at that point. And so she said, I, I was talking to the birth mom and she said, that she would be open to meeting you. If you would be open to meeting her, would you consider adoption? Wow. And we had had a lot of people say to us, you know, just adopt and then, you know, you'll get pregnant. And I thought that's just a terrible reason to adopt. (laughs) And my heart was so sensitive at that time. It was like hard, you know, to go through like a rejection. I don't know if I could handle being chosen and then the birth mom changing her mind. Mm, And so I was really leery of it. But when that call came, I said, um, well, hold on. And so I put the phone down and I went and asked him and he's like, what was your initial reaction before even you shock? You know, I think I was just in shock, you you know, never expect a call on a Monday night. You're playing games, you know, at the house with your dad and your husband and Mm -hmm. the phone rings. And this was like Mm -hmm. the furthest thing from my mind. And we had just had another failed attempt. (sighs) So it was just a surprise and shock you know and so I asked him and he was the same and he's like I guess so and then (laughs) we were both I was working my business I you know at that time and and he was working full-time at the hospital and so I I asked him he said okay and she's I so I told her I said we're we're both working but we can come tomorrow night and uh she's like okay yeah come tomorrow night (laughs) and so on the way there I'll never forget um walking up to her door you know my husband was behind me and I was walking up the door and got knocked on the door and she opened the door and I I didn't even get through all the way through the doorway and she handed the baby to me. <gasps> and so Paul was still outside and I walked through the door and I had the baby and had Maddie in my arms and I was looking at her and I'll never forget that moment. It was, it was like God just said, here's your baby. There was an instant thing. connection to this child that was definitely supernatural. I, I couldn't even explain it more than to just know that like the moment she put her in my arms and I looked at her and I looked at her like chocolatey, beautiful brown eyes. And I, I was like, this is my child. I, I just couldn't, there was such peace, you know, there was not this nervousness. And then the, we got in and sat down on the couch and the birth mom came and we had a beautiful visit and I just had total peace. It was like peace and joy. And I just had this knowingness that she was mine. And everybody kept saying to me, cause the next day the, the birth mom called and said she wanted me to have her. And then that night, so this was now Wednesday, the lady that called from the church, she came over and said, you know, you can spend a couple hours with her. I'm going to go to church and practice worship and I'll be back. So I, you know, got to be with her for that night. I changed a diaper for the first time and actually put it on backwards. And then, <laughs> um, cute. and then she picked her up and said, you have tomorrow to get ready. And then I'm bringing her Friday morning. And so all my neighbors <sighs> came over and were bringing me things to be ready. Cause obviously, because you, I mean, you had no anticipation right. of this whatsoever. I'm working full time. I'm, you have all these clients and, and then Friday morning, you know, I cl- cleared my calendar Friday. She walked in and she gave her to me as fast as she gave her to me. You know, wow. when I went to her house, it was like through the, she was gone in like just a couple of minutes. Like, here's your baby. 
And I was standing there. I remember being in the, in the hallway at the front door thinking, okay, like I had such peace and everybody was saying like, aren't you concerned that maybe the birth mom's going to change your mind? And I just had this total peace. Like I knew it was going to be unknowing. Perfect. Yeah. Right, yeah. And then I had the thought though, I have to legally <laughs> do something right, to make, right, her, right. make her legally mine. So this again, back to phone books and so I got a phone book and found the biggest ad for adoption agency called an agency in Chicago here. And they said, yeah, yeah, you got to do something legally. We need to make you foster parents. Right, right. And so we went through the whole process and then she and everything was perfect. Everything yeah. was smooth. Perfect. Oh, that's amazing. amazing. She's going to be 19 this oh, year. What an incredible story. So the, the immeasurably more that you can ask or imagine. So right. that's like, that doesn't usually happen in an adoption situation. That was no, definitely that's a blessing, a, a total blessing. And then five months into that, having Maddie was everything that I hoped for as a mom, you know, being a mom, I loved every minute of it. And, and so then five months into that, we did IVF and we got pregnant with twins. <laughs> and then about, well, then a year later, here we were with a two year old, <laughs> one year old twins. And then my body started working naturally and I got pregnant by surprise. And wow. so we really, I got to be a birth mom. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got to be like a singleton mom, a twin mom, an adopted mom, I got to experience no birth. I got to have the twins were natural and they were two hours apart, which twins are typically 10 minutes apart. So that was a very hard labor. Yeah, I've never even heard of that. Yeah, it was quite difficult because Lindsay was like in me sideways and Luke was up and down. And so Lindsay, once Luke got out, she was like hanging out for two hours. She didn't want to come out. And then then Abby was a a C-section. Wow. So I really got to experience like immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. <laughs> I got to be a mom in every single way. I had f- four children, three and under. It. Yeah. Four children, three and under. So I guess that's my encouragement is, you know, like I believe that the word is truth and, you know, there's promises there for us. And, and not that every person will, will have that same experience, Sure. but I think that God will, what I've noticed in my life is that he will turn situations that are challenging into good and his promises are true and we can hold on to them. And that's, that's been my source of hope. Amen. Mm-hmm. No, that's awesome. And now, um, I, I mean, I mean, it seems this is kind of permeates your entire life. It's not yes. just, um, you know, in momhood, right? Yes. But uh, so how, how does that translate into your business? So now, at, cause you mentioned earlier that once your children, came into your life um that you get you sold the business right yeah and that was occupational therapy Mm -hmm. yeah driver rehab i taught people disabilities how to drive and sold that practice and then after that i I thought that what i sold it for would be enough money to get through the time when maddie was you know going to get through like just to get to kindergarten Mm -hmm. but i didn't expect Lindsay and luke and abby to come so (laughs) So adoption is expensive and IVF yeah. is expensive and kids are expensive. So we went through the money in like two years. And so all the money oh. was gone. And there I was with four kids, three and under, and we were broke. I wow. mean, that was the first time I've ever been broke in my life. And we were literally like $1,000 short on our bills every month. And I had no idea how we were going to fix that because that's when your faith really tested. Yeah. My husband was working at the hospital and there was no like bonuses or opportunities for extra commissions. And there wasn't enough money to make it. And every month we were putting $1,000 or more on the credit card and it was starting to snowball. And there was no way to pay it off except if he got another job or if I got a job. And going back to doing what I was doing, first of all, it's really dangerous teaching people disabilities how to drive. Mm -hmm. Most of the people that do that have been in a serious car accident. I didn't want to put myself at that risk with all those little ones. 
and then also the cost of daycare <laughs> and then having to try for six years and finally have them all like I didn't want to leave them so then it was what I'm, what's the solution to that and so I decided to start a business working from home you know and that was the that was the solution I yeah, had to yeah. do something to add, add revenue what did you start so I started a network marketing business because I, wa- I clicked on an ad about moms working from home and learned about how you could be a stay-at-home mom and work from home and and I built that business and was so blessed by that because it did really allow me to be home and I I made I've built four businesses of six figures in less than 12 months in all different industries and that was one of them and I've made like 2.5 million more than that so far <sighs> with that company and have have helped nonprofits. They have a really great charitable organization program that helps nonprofits, and I've helped nonprofits receive over a million dollars in donations through that as well. Uh, so you're still involved with it? Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. So what it's is in it retirement right now, oh, okay. so to speak. But um, but I'm just really grateful for it. And in that business is really where I learned and discovered actually how much I enjoy coaching people. And mm-hmm. um, there was a lot of coaching in that business about like how to get started and build a business, and and that whole process is where I fell in love with really helping entrepreneurs or helping people discover an entrepreneurial spirit and how to grow a business. And, and there's where I found my passion for business coaching. And that's what transitioned me into really helping people with their traditional businesses and learning a blueprint to take their core skill set, the thing that they love to do and really learn how to build an entrepreneurial business around it. Because that's a whole nother thing. You know, you could be excellent at what you do. You could be an excellent doctor, photographer, website developer, whatever your industry or specialty or your subject matter expertise is, but actually creating a whole business around that and being able to, you know, be successful on your own is another strategy and then a whole nother skill set of learning to really do that well and to, to be successful at it. So I love doing that. That's one of my passions and, and I absolutely find a tremendous amount of joy in that. And it seems like even beyond that, not just those things that you mentioned, but also dealing with life circumstances that it seems that you navigate very well. You know, that when life, yeah, like I said, it almost seems like when life um, throws something at you that's, mm. you know, difficult for a lot of people, uh, that breaking through that and, and kind of keeping the faith and, and working through it, right, mm. more than anything else, seems to have gotten you everything that you've asked for, right, in a sense that as much as it was difficult having faith, mm. working hard, you know, finding a way, now you're here doing something you probably didn't imagine doing before right I yeah did not imagine doing the work that I'm doing now so what do you tell people when they have their I can't do this because yeah excuses or you know how how do you coach that for for my life experience it's been a business principle a success principle which is to have a solution oriented mindset Mm. when challenges come there's always a solution you may not see that solution you may need assistance with somebody that's been there before you that can show you how to navigate that. What is the solution? Think, you know, thinking outside of the box. And that's happened, happened to me many times that mentors, coaches in my life that have shown me ways to get things done that I would have never thought of, you know, but, or, or just seeking the answer. You know, if you, if we focus on what the challenge is, we're going to not move forward. We're going to stay in that challenge because we're focused on the challenge. But if we focus on the solution, our mind and our actions are going to follow that. We're going to be seeking for answers you know what is the answer to this challenge and then we're going to try different things that will lead us eventually to a solution and i think that's probably the biggest principle that has guided me as just focusing on and believing that there is a solution whatever challenge i'm experiencing 
there is a solution to this and I just need to find, usually it's a person that has the <laughs> answer. I find more than anything, you know, and even in a book, you can find answers in a book, you know, cause a person wrote it, but I find that mostly it comes, the answers come through people, you know, that have that to share. No, I've, I've one thing I've heard recently was, you know, that you're one person away or mm. from there, you're, you know, one person away from changing your life or solving a problem or an opportunity. That's but one of my favorite quotes as actually I've shared this in my do signature talks when uh -huh. I speak, I end that with, uh, you're one decision away from mm. changing the rest of your life. It's the person that you're connecting with, you know, and making a decision to, yeah. to follow somebody or to do something that involves people. Sure. Yeah. No, it always does on, yeah. you know, on any level. Um, and you brought up engaging speakers. So mm -hmm. how did that whole, you know, monstrosity of a company come to be? Because uh, it's yeah. not something that you started originally, correct? Right. I, I actually, the company was founded by Gail Brown mm -hmm. in 2003. And one of the practices I have in my coaching business is I tithe a couple clients every year that I just feel they have a real passion, but they don't have the resources for mm. services. And so... Uh, I got to know her. She saw me speak and we did a consultation and she shared her vision with me. And so we started coaching. And in that process, she discovered that she didn't have the resources or the skills or the time or the energy. Um, she was dealing with some health challenges to really work on the things and do the things that need to be done to fix the business and mm -hmm. to grow it to where she had the vision to grow it to. So she decided she needed a business partner. And so she made that decision and she talked to one of my, our mutual friends about that. And he asked her who would she like to have? And she said me, but she didn't think I would do it. And he called me and I said, no, <laughs> I'm not doing that. It's not <laughs> our friend, is it? Majid. Yeah. Yes. Majid Zaper. He's amazing. I love Majid. And, uh, yes, Majid, so, we love you. Yes. We love you. Majid. Listening, watching. Um, so he's just an amazing person and, and he knew me really well and he kept, encouraged me like I really think you should look at this this would be really good for your brand and for your business and I, and I already had so much on my plate for kids multiple businesses a nonprofit. is that the reason for the no initially Definitely. just because you had too yes. much on, on your plate yes gotcha. I, I have a huge desire to do things with a spirit of excellence and if I sure. feel like I can't then, compromises that a little bit then I feel like I shouldn't you know mm -hmm. and so that was the big challenge is that I, I knew how much work was there because I was working with her that I knew how much needed to be done to fix it. So that was the biggest challenge for me. But, you know, God was chasing me. Like, I just felt like I could not get rid of this um, constant, like, prodding to, yes, you need to do this. And mm -hmm. I couldn't, again, figure out how I was going to do it because I didn't feel I had the bandwidth or the time to do it. So I finally surrendered after mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, gnawing at me, you know, as my, in my prayer time and just this constant gnawing at me. And as soon as I surrendered and said, okay, I'll, fine, I'll, I'll do it, but I'm not making any promises that it's going to turn out well. Um, I, I had a sort of men, men, sense of peace after yeah. I actually surrendered it and, and gave into that prompting that, yes, you need to do this. And so I actually uh, bought the business from Gal and, and then um, started rebranding and rebuilding it and, and really creating what I, and, and, and it has been actually totally the perfect aligned business. Mm -hmm. for me. Magic was right. God was right, of course. And I, I just love it. I love to build community. I love to coach people. I love to speak. I love everything about it. And so it, it has been such a blessing to me. I, I, I could do it for free every day and yeah. just 
be enjoying every minute of it. Well, that's originally how we met. And I, I mean, yes. I got a taste of all yes. of it and got to speak. And so yes. it was amazing. And, and you have such a community there. But the content, it, it really is invaluable, um, you know, from a selling perspective and mm -hmm. from a business development perspective, you know. But for, for those who aren't as familiar with it, what exactly is Engaging Speakers? Yeah, so we're a community of entrepreneurs that all come together that have a, a similar desire to use speaking as a marketing strategy mm -hmm. to grow the business. So we have networking, of course, and the networking is meaningful and intentional, but really it's a lot more than networking. And if you've ever been to a, like a seminar workshop and the way that you show up to a seminar workshop with attendees and you're all there to learn together creates a different type of atmosphere than if you go to a networking event. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And so we come together to learn. And so we have a lot of hot seat coaching. We coach mostly on two areas, which and are... And it is a hot seat. It I mean, is a hot get really seat. nervous. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so much learnings happen in that for oh my the God. person being coached as well as those that are watching the coaching. So we, we do coaching on the 30-second introduction. Like, how do you do an introduction of yourself and your business in 30 seconds that really highlights your expertise and attracts your ideal clients? It's clear and concise. And people say, Wow at the end. Mm -hmm. you have you ever, it, mm -hmm. It's not that often that you go to a networking and someone shares their 30 second and you think, wow, I really want to connect with them. They, you know clearly what they do and it's really well constructed and the delivery is good. Yeah, and rehearsed. I'm sure, you know, exactly. Big part of it. So we do that. We teach that and it's such a powerful thing to have in any, for any business person to know how to do 100%. that. 100%. It's harder, I think, to talk for 30 seconds than for 30 minutes in my opinion because oh, you no, have to is. be so concise 100%. and clear. That's why they call it an elevator pitch, right? right. I mean, you you got to get it out right then and there. I mean, you have that time before it opens yes. and that's it. So, yeah. Yes. And then we also teach a signature talk, you know, how mm -hmm. to do it, how to do a talk it's, that is really constructed around your business. That's a signature talk that really highlights your expertise in your business and attracts your ideal clients in your business. That's really what the signature talk coaching is. So we have members that are part of our community can come and do 20 minutes of their signature talk on Zoom and then... We have a couple coaches, myself, another coach that coach on their content, and their delivery, and then the audience also gives feedback. It's super valuable. It's a really safe and loving place and supportive place to come and it practice. It really is. It really is. And then you've created an incredible space, by the yeah, way. Yeah, thank you. For, for, yeah, for people to feel safe doing that in such a vulnerable situation. Yeah. And it, it feels really good. We bring a lot of results. Like I love the testimonials that we get from people about how what we're helping and supporting them and is making a huge impact in their business. Honestly, speaking as a cash generating machine for any business owner, yeah. it really is. It's the best way for people to get to know, like, and trust you. And if you have a strategically designed talk that is really intentionally created to highlight your business and your expertise, and it really does attract your ideal clients, you never worry again about about how and where you're going to find your next client because speaking is something you can do virtually. You can do it in person. You do it all day long, even when you're just like mm -hmm. in the backyard with a neighbor. You know, you, we're always using speaking and, and just understanding how to do that effectively is one of my life passions to help people do that because it's super powerful. No, it's incredible. And you mentioned business owners. So, you know, who else would be ideal to, to be a part of it, to contact you, to work with either as a coach or as a part of uh, engaging speakers? Well, really entrepreneurs that are interested in growing their business so any type of entrepreneur i mean this what we teach works for any business sure. whether you're working in a corporation and you need to present internally or externally for sales but internally for communication we can help you know people that are working for companies we can help entrepreneurs that are wanting to grow their business through speaking and generating leads there's just so many opportunities and we, it really is for everyone i mean mm -hmm. i've seen it firsthand and 
yeah. to sell from stage or to have an impact or to influence. It's it's incredibly powerful. Yeah, and, and there's different types of speaking. You know, yes, you can, you know, sometimes get opportunities to sell from stage, but one of the things we love to do is teach people how to speak for free. Yeah. And getting paid is like the cherry on the top. Yeah. You know, you don't you don't need to get paid to really generate revenue from speaking. In fact, I think you can make a lot more money by speaking for free and making a free offer to have yeah. a meaningful conversation with you that converts and leads to really great quality clients. That's really See, the secret that's sauce. exactly the reason yes. people should be contacting you. I'm sure mm -hmm. most people don't even think of, of doing something like that. Yeah, so. it's super awesome. Well, Jen, I know uh, you have a lot more to share, and, and I'm sure we'll catch up another time. But at least for now, I, I want to thank you for, for sharing you know, your story for those sure. who haven't been privileged enough to meet you yet. I, I encourage you to reach out to, to Jen, whether it's on a, on a personal note or, or professional. She can definitely have a huge impact. I know she has on my, on my life uh, and on my business. So thank you, Jen. Thank you, Tony. Uh, no, I appreciate you. Thanks. I appreciate you too.